everybody. This is Charles with the Barbershop Group Podcast. Today, I'm going to be your host, and we're going to be talking to Mike Segun uh, out of California. And uh, Mike is an all-world everything. If you guys are unfamiliar with Mike, let me tell you, we're going to make sure we include every tag of his so that you can follow him. He is doing some great work with men all around the world. Mike just got back from Mexico, and he is headed to the Philippines tomorrow. Mike, how are you today? I am. Uh, I'm great, Charles. Uh, hey. I'm feeling. I'm feeling caffeinated right now. My body is a little restless, but I. There's. I have this interesting feeling of restlessness and groundedness as I'm. I'm in this space with you. So, I appreciate you having me on the show. Hey, I. I, you know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. You're feeling a restlessness and you're grounded while talking. <laughs> um, it, it's so funny. Um, but but that's a good thing. That's a really good thing, and I, I think that. Um, um, I get to, uh, I definitely get to kind of be in a different element with you on the other end of the conversation. So thank you for joining me today, Mike. And uh, man, let's just uh, jump right in. You know, what the hell is going on with men, Mike? You work with them a lot. I do too. So let's make some sense of this. What's happening? Oh, I had to take a huge breath from that, man. That's a huge, huge question to ask. Um, so I'm a men's coach. And I work with men all over the United States and North America. And um, the biggest thing that I come across with men is their inability to ask for help or see that they have problems in their life. Hmm. Um, many of the men that I work with know that something is missing, but aren't quite sure what is missing. Some of my guys like have everything in the world, every, all the achievements that they wanted in the world, but something still feels like there's there's they're not settled they're not fulfilled and there's also the other spectrum uh, of guys that I work with who feel like they have never achieved anything in their life and have broken relationships uh, with family and, and romantic relationships and, and friendships and have never held a job or have never felt purpose and feel stuck and have never felt what it feels like to feel fulfilled in their life and um there's something going on in the air it's in the water i'm not sure what it is it's our traditional views of of what it means to be a man i'm not quite sure what it is right now and and there's a lot of controversy around that right now <laughs> uh, yeah you yeah know, and so uh, it's the the these these guys and i'm a, and i am i am certainly uh one, a victim of, uh, of these, of some of these things that are happening right now. And, um, you know, I've definitely been in a place where I've felt stuck and I still to this day have a hard time asking for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that seems to be a very common, uh, situation regarding men. It's just like, nah, I'm going through something. I'm not asking anybody for help. Nope, 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 nope. Not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, I mean, we could go on for days talking about why guys don't ask for help. And I certainly don't want the listeners out there because there, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, men don't ask for help because of all the toxic masculinity. And I'm like, whoa, let's just wait a minute. Probably There's layers. Yeah, there are layers. There are mm -hmm. layers. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's getting to a point where uh, we, we're hearing the word toxic masculinity, manhood, masculinity, all of these things, but we've got to start 
discussing the gray in between. We got to get to the nuances. And that's kind of like, that's not something that the people who are politically motivated want to do. They don't want to get into the nuances of things, you know. Um, and so it's interesting uh, to hear that you're having the same experiences with men. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I heard you say was that even guys who are very successful or feel like they've been very successful uh, are, are waking up. They're waking up, awakening and going, well, whoa, um, I'm, I'm not OK. I don't like this life. Like, what's going on with that? Why is it happening? You know, with, growing up, my parents always taught me and everyone always taught me, my environment taught me, including media taught me that if I reached a certain level of success, which means for me, it was have a wife, have kids, have a college degree, have a house and have a great paying job with benefits. Mm -hmm. You have it all. Mm -hmm. I come from a Filipino family and we're all about loyalty. Stick to the job. My parents stayed at their companies for 20 to 30 years before they got laid off by these companies. I, before I became a coach, I was very loyal to a corporation and I stayed with them for 11 years. Okay. And there's this sense of, um, uh, I have to push through this because this is what's going to give me happiness. I was taught if I was, if I have the wife, I'm gay, I have a husband. <laughs> so that didn't happen. <laughs> if I have a house, if I have a college degree, if I have the money, which, which is enough money for me to sustain a life here, wherever I live, have a house and have a kid, then I should be happy. Mm. Well, I reached these goals. I mean, I didn't reach getting a wife, but I got a husband. Right. There was still something missing in my life. Mm. And I, I see this with men all the time. They are un, they're unsure. They have all these material possessions, all of these things that they thought would bring them happiness. And the, the, the honeymoon stage of that, of having these material items just kind of dissipates. And all yeah. of a sudden they are left with, well, what's next? What else mm -hmm. can I have? And, and peace comes from within, right? right. It's coming from the, and, 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 uh, and happiness comes from within and being satisfied comes from within. It isn't this external motivation. It isn't this, um, I have the, the most beautiful house or the, the fastest car. It's, I'm okay with myself. What I have right now is enough. And I think we have a problem here in America with this idea of being enough. Like what is enough? Yeah. Is it, is it the house, the family, the white picket fence, or is it the internal motivation, the internal validation, the, 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 the solidarity within, the groundedness within, the peace within, the satisfaction within, to finally say, I am enough in this world, and this is all that I need. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I, I am certainly working towards this, this enlightened space of like, I'm enough, but shit, I fucking struggle so much with that. Right, right. right. Especially when I have this phone in my hand and I'm like, and I'm, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm seeing these guys do powerful work and I, and I feel myself comparing my work to theirs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I get into the space of not feeling enough. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then this brings up all these layers of um, who am I as a man then? Yeah. Where is my strength? And I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown's work. But Absolutely. She, uh, you know, she wrote that really beautiful book, um, Braving the Wilderness. And she talks about living a wholehearted life. And essentially, it's, it's about understanding that wherever you are, whoever you are in this moment, you are enough. Right. Yeah, and I think we could get into, and I think men could get into a space of like, man, I'm not enough, but not label it as being enough, not understanding what it means to not be enough. And so they're constantly reaching for, and that could look like being obsessive about their jobs, being addicted to their jobs. It could be addicted to substances. It could be addicted to sex. It could be addicted to porn. It could be addicted to whatever it is. Of like constantly trying to grab, oh my God, I need this, this more, 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 more. And they get all of the things that they've achieved and all of a sudden they're still feeling, oh man, what is this life? Yeah. What is enough? You know, and this like, I, I feel like this goes straight into mental health. And um, you're aware of this, Charles, that in the highest demographic of suicides here in America are committed by men, mostly ages 45 to 65. Yeah. Right, that says right. something. That says right. something, and and also, I, I mean, we have to note this, but most of those men are white, right? Yeah. And so, what does that say about their upbringing, where they come from, from from uh, who their parents were, what their education was like, what their their emotional support was like growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, you mentioned that uh, because um, you know long ago. I remember reading a book by um, what some people consider to be a right-wing conservative professor. He's now deceased. His name was Samuel Huntington, a uh, Harvard professor. And he was a big proponent of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant work ethic. And um, he was informing people like George Bush early on and stuff like that. And his whole thing was that the WASP work ethic is what got us to a good place in America and it's dying. And with all the immigration and what have you, it's gonna go away and that's problematic. But now we're at a place where we're realizing that sometimes it's that WASP perspective that may actually be contributing to some, not all, some of the problems that we see arising in men and with men. Mm -hmm. And talk about trying to hold on so tightly to historical traditions and those narratives. If you try to plant your feet in the cement, this is how it is and this is how you're supposed to get it done. And you know, uh, you're, you're blue collar from Monday to Saturday uh, type of thing. And it's not working out for everybody. Right, right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, we, my parents came from the traditional views of Loyalty, meritocracy will, will allow you to, to rise to the top. Mm -hmm. And my parents tried for 30 years and they never rose to the top. Right. right? And so um, there's this idea of like, yeah, like work your freaking ass off for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's also these other layers that play into it. Mm -hmm. These other layers that sometimes for us and, and us people of color, men of color can inhibit us from rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And and seeing that, in, and I live here in Oakland, 
right? And right. I see, man, like there's poverty right outside my door. Right. There's, there are camps all over our city and there are people all over our city that are struggling. And at the same time, there are people all over our city that are making millions, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so you, you can't tell me that the people that are on the streets right now didn't work their freaking butt off, right? right? And you can't tell me that they're not trying to work their butt off right now to get off the streets, right? And, and I, I see it. It's, uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, I, men- mental health is, uh, is a, a topic that I am, one, very thankful that we are in, in, a, in, a, in a time where we are paying more attention to it. Mm-hmm. But we also, I come from a family that doesn't even believe what men, and mental health. My parents yeah. don't even believe in depression. Right. Right. My parents don't even believe in therapy. Mm. And, and that, that scares me. Right. And that, that there's like a direct correlation between like the, the 45 and 65 year old men who are committing suicide. Yeah. Yeah. My parents, my parents are in that age group. That's right. And it's, it's funny, too, because when we look at some of our demographics, uh, we're able to reach uh, people between 18 and 45 years old with the largest chunk of people that we reach being between probably about 20 to 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a hard time trying to get older groups of men to engage, whether you're talking about the conversations surrounding uh, mental health, mental illness, or if it's a conversation um, about manhood, masculinity, the typical uh, perspective for a lot of guys is just that, hey, this is a bunch of liberal bullshit, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and for me, you know, people who listen to the show, people who know me personally know that I can't stand tags. So, so when I say liberal, guys, I'm only saying liberal because that's the way that those people I hate to label, I hate to label anybody, but, um, you know, um, those particular groups of men are men who we're having trouble with reaching. So uh, I think there's something to be said. And if you look at it, as, as Mike was saying, yeah, those are the men who have the highest rates of suicide. Um, and uh, they're also hiding. But I often say, Mike, this, I say that a lot of times, uh, you remember they used to say things like, uh, oh, he's experiencing a, uh, a midlife crisis, right? People mm-hmm. would say, oh, it's a midlife crisis. But I also say, well, sometimes it's a spiritual awakening and they're having difficulty kind of navigating that um, because a lot of guys don't really relate to each other that well. Like we relate to men superficially all the time. <laughs> You know, a lot of, you know, uh, we relate superficially. No problem. Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, cool. Did you watch the game? Yeah. You know, that type of stuff. Oh, man. I could talk Warriors basketball all day. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, as many guys could. But the moment you say, hey, how are you really feeling today? Then they look at you. You know, the moment you say, hey, what, you know, what's going on inside? They're like, what? And it's not to say that guys don't, that there aren't guys out there who know. I think a lot of men just haven't been, they haven't given themselves spaces to explore that way. And a lot of men 
take time to explore other men in that way. So it's not right. that we don't have the intellectual, emotional capacity to do it. It's that we have tricked ourselves into thinking that we don't have the environment and the time to do it. Right. Right. And, and, and I also feel a component of that is um, educating guys how to feel their emotions and mm -hmm. how to understand what they're feeling. I think, um, I think guys have a hard time uh, having the vocabulary to express how they feel. Right. And, you know, growing up, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to feel happy, right? If I, or excited, if I was too excited, I, my, my parents would tell me to calm down. Uh, if I was sad, my mom would tell me uh, to stop crying or else. If, um, if, uh, if I was angry, my mom would tell me to put that away. And right. so I was never, ever taught that, hey, what you might be feeling anger right now. Tell me a little bit more about what that anger is. Yeah. Or you're feeling sad right now. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about what you're feeling, what you're feeling sad about. And a lot of the work that I do right now with men is around getting a, an emotional vocabulary. It is, one, stepping into our physical body and, and feeling what our physical body feels because our emotions manifest into our muscles and our bodies. And, um, and that's even hard for guys to feel, right? Like, I'll, I'll ask, like, okay, what are you feeling in your body? I'm not feeling, and they'll, they'll say something like, I don't feel anything. And I'd have to give an example. Like, mm. so when I'm feeling stressed out, I get my back gets really tense and I feel the sharp mm. pain behind my shoulders. Is there something that you feel that's similar to that? Oh yeah, totally. When I stress out, my, my, my back tightens up and my lower back hurts. Great. Cool. So now we're getting an emotional a, a vocabulary of your body. You're, you're feeling your body. And then the next step is just like, I, I educate them and, in just basic emotions like joy, shame, guilt, frustration, anger, sadness, right? You don't know what you're feeling? Cool. Right. Where, where do you fall in between these six emotions? Okay. Right? Yeah. And, um, and I think once we start to integrate that, that language and, and give permission to guys to, to speak their emotions and to ask them deeply, like, how do you feel? that's when we could start to like dig deeper into this emotional health thing and guys can start to feel supported in a way that isn't, um, isn't, isn't uh, interrogating them in any way or making them feel less of a man, but really empowering them to step into their emotional truth and to step into their, to their bodies as well. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, do you think that maybe sometimes men see emotion as being dangerous? I think men can see it as a threat. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, as I'm growing up, I used to get defensive about my emotions. Uh, and that looks like either retreating and going away and isolating myself. If I got angry, I would, I, I was taught to, to stuff my anger in, not to let it out. And so when uh, I got angry, I just stuffed all the anger in. And when I couldn't take it anymore, I would bury myself and like literally close my door and shut myself off from the world. And mm. that anger would only boil up. And a few days, weeks later, that will come out in a, like a dragon. Like, and I will say the most hurtful things to someone, right? And 
and I did use it as a defense. I, I got super defensive and, and I think I got defensive because I was never allowed to just let it out. Right. Either that right. was like moving my body to let it out or actually verbally letting it out or even just like screaming in a safe space, just yeah. letting that energy out. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's something that I find to be true with a lot of, with a lot of guys. And, and, you know, if, if it sounds a little bit weird, what Mike is saying, and I don't think it is, but just to clarify, sometimes uh, if somebody asks you a question and you said something like, Oh, wow. Um, I've never had to think about that before or um, something like, you know what? No, now that makes sense. Well, these things have kind of been in your life. They've been in you. You just haven't been able to connect to them. And, and so one of the things that I uh, like to do, and the reason why I'm highlighting this is because I want men to understand, and I think you do too, Mike, that we're not deficient. Mm-hmm. I think when you see things like the Gillette ad or when you see the words toxic masculinity and stuff, a lot of people are responding from a defensive point of view that somebody's saying they're deficient. No, guys, you are not deficient. Okay. I want you to understand that right now that Mike and I, we believe that we're, when we're guys, we're not deficient. We're not less than, uh, and we're not incapable. It's that, we need a new dictionary. We need a different dictionary. And those dictionaries exist for us. That's okay. And we can also be authors in those dictionaries. Well, right? Nobody's telling you you can't be an author. So it's just an invitation um, mm. to participate. That's all. That's all it is, is, is an invitation to, uh, to take control of right. uh, your, own, your own wellness, your own being. So, Mike, um, you know, you have an organization that's focused on, on men's health and wellness. And, uh, you know, you're, you're working on this unshakable program. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I have an eight-week program called the Unshakable Program. And it's essentially a personal development boot camp for men. Um, and part of it is really stepping into... Uh, your masculine power as a man. It is stepping into your purpose. It is stepping into your whole being as a human. And that is uh, the, the ground, the basis of my program is getting to know and developing a relationship with our breath. Our breath is a powerful tool that we can utilize in any situation to help us, to help us slow down, mm-hmm. open up, and yeah. connect that yeah. helps us ground and when we have the foundation when we know how to control our breath voluntarily when we know how to do it with intention we could learn how to step into some of these emotions that we feel so what do you say to guys who they hear you say the breath and they're like oh hell here comes this yogi. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like like you know, how do you explain that to one of the, the guys who are just like, you know what, man, I'm, I breathe every day, Mike. What the hell? Yeah, man, that's, a, that's, that's such a great question. And what, what I'll do is just, I'll just get them into a breathing exercise. Mm-hmm. Just some deep breaths, deep, intentional breaths. Now, yeah, of course, we breathe involuntarily 24-7, right? right? It is like the first thing that we do when we come out of the womb is we take a huge, deep breath. Yeah. And, but we're, we aren't taught to do it 
voluntarily, where we have intention behind our breath. Now, I'll also back it up with the, the health benefits of breathing, right? Breathing calms our nervous system down. It, it, it activates our, it deactivates our fear response and it yes. deactivates our amygdala, which is like the most reptilian part of our brain, right? And, it, and actually studies show that um, people with breathing exercises have smaller amygdalas because they're able to control their breath. And what happens then is our prefrontal cortex gets activated, which is the area of our brain, which allows us to think of consequences, to plan. It also activates our compassion and empathy. And so in moments where we have these heightened emotions, such as anger or frustration, we can utilize our breath to calm our amygdala down, our fear responses, so we could s- slow down and think again. Right. And think, and think straight and think um, with, a, with, with, uh, with intention. Yes. And it's not just reacting to something, but it's taking a step back mm-hmm. and pausing, taking a deep breath and yeah. acknowledging the thoughts that are happening and then making a different choice. Absolutely. As you say that, something came to mind. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a, a former athlete, right. I have to say former now I'm, I'm trying to, as, as part of my, uh, taking care of my body, I'm getting rid of this idea that I'm a 25 year old, uh, mm. world class athlete anymore. Mm. now I'm that's hard like, for athletes, man. <laughs> right. I'm just mm. a now. And so, I, but I think about standing on the free throw line, um, yeah. that free throw. And a lot of people can identify with this. You know, if you go up there, uh, you, you get your feet set. And one of the first things you got to do is you got to calm down, right? You got to silence the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wipe your, your, your hands off, right? Sweating a little bit. And, uh, yep, yeah, you do all this extra stuff and you breathe. <laughs> and, you know, you go through your little routine, whatever, whatever type of, <laughs> you know, people from LeBron all the way down, they've got these routines that they do on the line. But yeah. that's that's really a great example of a guy uh, getting in touch with uh, the breath, getting in touch with how he's feeling, calming himself down, letting go of what just happened to focus on what is happening right now. You know, there's a whole lot to be said just in terms of mindfulness and a free throw that guys don't think about. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, you know, you look at, you look at Steve Kerr and the Warriors and of course I'm a huge Warriors fan. Right? And he talks a lot about mindfulness in practice. Right. They talk about getting in control of your breath. You know, Steph, Steph will shoot some threes and miss some threes, but guess what? He doesn't stop shooting. He'll continue to shoot because yep. he knows that that was just the pass. And now here's the, here I am in a present. I'm going to utilize my breath to gain yep. control again. And I'm going to continue to shoot. Absolutely. Which is, which is, which is so different from how I was raised on the court. When I was raised on the court, man, if I missed a few shots, I was out. <laughs> Coach pulled me out. You know what I mean? And then put someone else in. <laughs> right. That's true. Like, him out. He missed that shot. He threw a bad pass. Get over here on the bench, man. What exactly. Yeah, it was a very different, a different, very different view, man. So listen, guys, you know, Mike and I could talk forever. And I would, Mike, I would love to have you back on the show. Uh, we are mm-hmm. running time. Listen, guys. 
Talking to Mike Sagun, okay? He is the founder of The Authentic Man, an organization focused on men's total health and wellness. And uh, he's based out, of, based out of Oakland. He's the creator of a, The Unshakable Program, which is an eight-week program to help men reboot and rebuild their lives. Uh, so I anticipate uh, the barbershop group uh, and Mike probably uh, collaborating in the near future uh, sometimes. So, you know, he's worked with a lot of different uh, organizations uh, like, you know, Dropbox and Google, Facebook, uh, just a number of things. And he's also got a TED Talk out there. You guys will be able to look at all of this in the show notes, uh, in addition to uh, enjoying the video and the podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mike, I really enjoyed your time, man. And I I'd hate to cut it short, uh, but I definitely want to get you back on and I look forward to working with you soon because there's so much that we could talk about regarding guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so much going on. And I think that this is, this is an opportunity to really, really take full control of wellness for men. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be about, um, you know, a liberal or, or a conservative approach or this or that. You don't even have to fucking label it anymore, man. This is it's an opportunity to like fully be free, take advantage of it, right? <laughs> Whatever that is for you, take advantage of it. Um, it's just who doesn't want to get better? Who doesn't want to get better? Um, so, you know, guys, again, um, you know, check him out, check out the website and all that good stuff. He's out there on Instagram doing some great things and uh, traveling the world. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you, like I said, what, Philippines tomorrow? Philippines tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, there you have it, guys. But, um, you know, we hope that you all have enjoyed Mike's information and his sharing um, today and uh, come back and see us again, guys. We'll talk to you soon.